Hey family, this is James Taylor, lead pastor of the Heavenly Vision Church, where it is our vision to reach, save, strengthen, and mature. I'm glad you could tune in to this podcast today. I pray that the word will be a blessing to you and help you move towards God's will. 1 Peter 2 and 17 says, honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Let's read that one more time. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If I didn't call your name out, please forgive me, but I love you too. Honor is a language. Honor is a lifestyle. And honor is a discipline. Uh, For most of us, our first lessons of honor came from home. Well, it did for me. And it kind of went and sounded like this. My grandmother would say, don't come in the presence of adults and start talking, and don't look in my mouth. That's what she would say. What's that? Don't look in my mouth. Get out my mouth. Thank you. That's how she said it. Um, If you did come up and interrupt a conversation, it better be real good, and you had to say, excuse me. You had to be excused, and not just excuse me and start talking, excuse me, and wait for her to acknowledge you, and then you spoke. If anything went outside of that, it was something different. Um, It was, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. And that's how you responded to questions and any requests. My grandmother was what we call strict or what we would consider old school. However, that was the norm for us all. And so those who were around you, those who you were in your community, that's what was expected. And, but finally, if you ever raised your voice or ever showed any kind of resistance to what she was requesting, um, there was disciplinary actions after that. We were not allowed to show gestures of disdain or, I don't like what you're saying, or eye rolling, or, you know, you know, body language, all of that. And, and you know, God forbid you threw a tantrum. You might, you know, amen, see you in the next life, you know. So my grandmother made sure that we had something, uh, you know, called manners, you know. Uh, the absence and the lack of control in these situations, uh, we were kind of reminded and your people were like, you need to mind your manners. And um, what I want to push, what I want to give to some, push for others and offer to some is the idea that the manner that we were taught was honor. The manner is honor. Um, if you're at work, it was required. They call it ethics. You know, if you're at school, they called it citizenship. 
and you even got a grade for it. It went alongside your, your academics, so it wasn't just, I'm going to learn, but I need to act a certain way, carry myself in a certain manner. And then when we get to church, we call it church life, um, we call it love. Love. So all of these are different aspects and different situations we find ourselves in. We must show honor. In the presence of the adults, it was called manners. In the workplace, it's called ethics. It's called citizenship when you're at school. But when we get to church, I think sometimes that has been our biggest challenge. How can we live out? How can we act? How can we remain and be good citizens in the church? So let me put a pin there. But let me back up a little bit, actually. Put a pin there. Um, Paul is the writer of this epistle, 1 Peter chapter 2. He's a writer. Uh, Peter is, of course. And Peter had to look like, who are you talking to, Peter? Who are you addressing in this epistle? And he's addressing Christians. I'm like, you talking to us? He said, yes. (laughs) He didn't say yes, but the Holy Spirit said yes. (laughs) Yes, he is talking to us. Like, why do we need these lessons? Why do we need to be reminded to be ethical? good citizens and show love but we're Christians because sometimes when you're in a different place you may forget who you are at home I may act a certain way but in a different environment when my grandmother wasn't around I would find myself saying, I think I have something called freedom. And sometimes I would cut up. But I always had these reminders. My brother was there, and he'd look at me. My teachers were there, and they would look at me. And they would remind me, and say, especially the crossing guard, I know you have something called home training. I'm like, I got home training? And, but if the people, because we were such a culture of honor, if the people in the neighborhood see you cutting up, it was nothing for them to say, I'm going to call your grandmother. I'm going to call your mother. You ain't got no business out here acting like that that was the culture that was the time but it's something that happens when time passes when time passes and sometimes we come away and we forget and we get older and the culture says something different the culture says don't come for me the culture says You can't tell me what to do. Or rather, when I became, 
you know, 17 and 364 days, I'm grown. And so I reminded myself how adult I was because I preached to myself. <clears throat> I reminded myself how adult I was. And my adulthood now superseded in my idea, in my head, what I had been taught. This is where Bishop would say, be very careful. So I'll tell you as well. Be very careful that your age, your position, <laughs> your life, your condition doesn't supersede your manners. So saints today, mind your manners. And the manner is honor. The manner is honor. So he's speaking to the Christians who were living in a pagan world. They were living in a world where the disagreement was not there with the ethics, the citizenship, and the honor and the love that they had been taught. And so Peter writes this epistle to remind them to mind your manners. Show honor in every situation you may find yourself in. And so he writes to them as they live in a place, Rome slash or conceptually Babylon. Slander, offense, oppression, riots, hostility were now the norm for them. And they had to learn not to jump into a place where they agreed or went into agreement with what was going on around them. And Peter was trying to talk with them and let them know that there is a place, there is a, a, a love that Christ put in you that I need you to begin to pull from again. There is a mannerism of how to treat God, how to treat yourself, and how to treat your brother. So, uh, honor, this is my attempt at a working definition. Work with it. This is, you ain't going to find this in Webster or anywhere else. I had to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we had to put this together. Honor, honor is to be true to God to oneself and to others through uncompromised love, respect, submission, and grace through faith. And I ended with faith because you're not going to be able to do any of this without love as your motivator and without faith as your activator. Honor Honor is kabod in the Hebrew. Give you the deep word, K-A-B-O-D. It is the weight of God's glory. It is the reveal of what is hidden in God. The reveal is the verb. That's what makes honor a verb because you need to give it away. As God reveals himself to you, and that's what my grandmother did as she taught me these lessons. This is how you act. This is what you do. 
This is how you love. This is how you forgive. As she taught, she revealed herself, but rather revealed God to me. And so as God reveals himself, that's why honor is a verb. It's a noun if you have it. But when you give it, it becomes a verb. So I encourage you today, today, church, to be the verb. Give the honor. Honor is not just so that you can encapsulate it. I got my props. But it is to give to the people of God. It's not for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not just for you. All right. It's not just for you. Number one, I'm lifting up three points very quickly as I close. Be true to God. Honor comes from within. Um, it is a grace that is granted to us from God. It is meant for us to bestow upon others. However, grace is only given to the humble. If you find yourself in a place of disrespect or disrespecting, check your humility level. Check the humility. Because the grace of honor is only given to the humble. <clears throat> it is through submission and obedience to God that we become a living sacrifice. And through his blood, we become holy and acceptable. So the, those mannerisms again, what is acceptable? How do I treat God? Is how I'm going to look in his presence. If I treat God absent, if I'm not there, because the, the great honor is to show up. That's a great honor. That's the honor that he bestowed upon us today. And when he shows up, what is the condition of my heart? Because he searches the heart of man. And it's through his blood, which is why when we sung, I need you, we begin to pour out and he began to come in. There's an exchange. But the argument still remains. How do I honor God in such a dishonorable world? The answer. The answer is simple. And yet complex. If you want this. You have to do. What Jesus did. If you want what Jesus wanted. If you want what Jesus has. You have to do what Jesus did. And you must die. Now, that sounds very harsh, but you must die. Die to yourself. Let's look at Jesus' process. In the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, he gave up his will for the will of the Father. That means he died to himself. So when my will is in control, or when I do what I want to do, based on my conditions, my age, or whatever, um, uh, whatever I want to put above my ability to honor, that means I've taken on my own will. And that's idolatry. Because somehow you've made what you want a God. Or more important than what the Father has said. The giving up of the will is a very important place in your walk because that means you have died to yourself. And then on the cross, Jesus 
gave up the ghost. Jesus keep giving, don't he? He gave up the ghost, totally emptying out himself. And then he made the choice to die. That's the choice. So he chose to die. We must also choose to die. I know we want God to take it away. Take it away, God. Take it away. Lift it off of me, God. Lift it off. Take it away. Take it away. But God is saying, no, no, no. Give up the ghost. Give it up. And then, emptying himself, allowing room for the Holy Spirit to come so that he can be raised from the dead. So, die to self. Give it up. Be filled. That's honor. That's honor. One of the greatest forms of honor has been bestowed upon us, and that is victory. Victory. And victory only comes for the believer through surrender and death. We want to win the fight without actually defeating the enemy. We want to live sometimes with the idol of ourselves and we haven't defeated ourselves. There must be, in order to have victory, you must surrender and die to self. Number two, be true to yourself. Daniel 1, in Daniel 1 and 8, let's look at Daniel's life for a second. There was a distinct connection between honor, identity, and purpose. If we look at the life of Daniel, as he walked into his new environment, like I did, I walked into a whole different environment when I turned 18. And he did not allow his situation or his environment to compromise him. He declared upon to himself, in Daniel 1 and 8 in the Amplified Version, uh, he says, I will not dishonor myself. Because when I dishonor myself, I dishonor God. And so the scripture says, but Daniel made up in his mind that he will not defile, taint, dishonor himself with the king's finest. We want the finest. But sometimes the finest isn't what's best. It's not what's best. So he knew to dishonor himself meant to dishonor God. His personal identity in God allowed him to further discipline his diet, discipline his relationships, and eventually his walk with God. And what did God do because he did all that? God revealed himself. You want to see who you are? Do you want to know who you are? Then it starts with your walk in honoring God. You have to die to self, give it up, and receive the Holy Spirit. He's revealing himself. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, and this is what Daniel knew, but, you know, 1 Peter wasn't written yet. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. When we don't have honor, there's a darkness that exists because you don't know who you are. 
what you deserve. And you hold yourself privy to those things that are dark. If I didn't know I was wealthy or come from a lineage of royalty, then I would act a certain and a different way. But when I know I'm royalty, do you see the royal family? I'll take a few seconds. Yeah, they had some scandals. But notice something about the royal family. That, that surprised me yesterday in my studies as I looked at the royalty and how royalty behaves. When they want to say something, they just don't get up and call a press conference and say it. They send what they call a representative, a public speaker, someone who speaks on their behalf. And so that's how they remain out of dark places. They send their representative. Some of us, we will speak, we will say, we will kill with our tongue and won't ask the Holy Spirit, lead and guide me. And life decisions have been based on what we believe and what we say. We have moved our lives with our tongues and our minds. Holy Spirit, go before me. Go before, represent me. I don't want y'all to know what I'm really like in all my sin and dirt. No. No. I'm going to share that as my testimony. But that's not something that I want to be walking in every day. Because I'm a new creature. And so when I send my representative, when the Holy Spirit goes before me, I'm clean. Hands up. We are not a people who have been called to conform to the ways of the world but be transformed so in order to experience the true glory of God we must abstain from the lust the practices that will cause us to lose ourselves in darkness those who are royal live a confined life understanding the responsibility and the call to remain in the grace the faith and the confines of the word this is the birthplace of true freedom while we may feel confined as the saints of God, like, what can I do? This is the real birthplace of freedom because now we know that we can do all things. All things. How? Through Christ who strengthens me. And finally, be true to others. Be true. Once one can be true to God, true to themselves, then they can be true to others. My brother and fellow minister, Rodney Howard, proclaimed that the simplest form of honor is acknowledgement. One of the greatest ways that we can honor God is to honor our fellow man, his creation. In order to accomplish this, we must have love. In order to serve and do anything to honor my brother, I must have love. 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of all these things as they say you can have this and you can have that and you can have great talent, you can have skill, you can have prophecy, you can have prayer. But if you don't have love, it means nothing. I want what I do to last, so I must do it in love and I must do it in honor. One of the greatest things that I can do is to love my brother. Unlovable, unacceptable. 
whatever I may feel, I look past my feelings and remember that God created us all and that his desire is that we love one another. So I thank you today and I pray that the honor that God has given through faith and by his sacrifices will deem us worthy. Worthy for what? Another chance to love you and you and you and be a good citizen, an ethical person, a good conveyor of Christ through his love. Praise the Lord and thank you so much. Come on, let's take a moment and just celebrate God for the word that we received. Do me a favor, just, just, just begin to speak this into your life. Lord, I will live in honor. I will live in honor. I will live in honor. Were you blessed by the message you just heard? If so, please leave a review so others can glean from the lessons you learned. And if you would like to help us continue ministry, feel free to give at hvcla.com. We love you, family.